There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1053. First off, uh, I hope you are okay during all this craziness right now. I hope you're staying uh connected. Um Thankfully, we have technology to be able to connect with other people, so please use that, stay connected, and even though we uh, must be physically isolated at this time, let's not, let's try to not be emotionally isolated as well. I think that's very important for our mental health, so uh, I just wanted to say that really quickly and just let you know that I'm thinking about you and, uh, and hoping that you're okay. Secondly... I think it probably goes without saying, but I will say it anyway, that uh, that a bunch of the uh, Wizard Guitar stand-up comedy dates are being moved, which I am more than fine with because uh, public health is the most important thing. And I only want people being able to come out when it is safe for them to do so. So uh, obviously I'm sorry that I won't get to see you for the dates that were scheduled for the spring, but we will schedule those. Uh, to a different time later in the year, and I'll get to see you then. Also, uh, I don't know if you heard about this, we didn't do Talking Dead last week because I just didn't, things were rapidly unfolding, and we as a group just thought, you know what, it's not worth the risk of, you know, we were going to do it without an audience, and then it just seemed like, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea. There's still, you know, a few dozen people that come in and put the show together. So between our guests and our crew and our staff, it just felt like let's let's be as safe as possible and not get everyone together. Um, you know, a, a lot of other shows had started to go dark at that point, and so we just sort of uh, added to that. Um, because we just felt like it was a responsible thing to do for everyone. If, But when we posted that we weren't going to do Talking Dead, a bunch of people said, well, why don't you just do like, you know, like a webcast version of it? And we talked about it and f- realized we could do that. <laughs> so we are doing that. Talking Dead will be back um, this next week. Uh, the date on that is Sunday, March... 22nd. So the 22nd, it will be uh, Yvette Nicole Brown, Scott Gimple, and a surprise cast member. And uh, and we're gonna we're gonna webcast it. And so it'll sort of feel like half a, you know, it's like it'll have the packages and elements of the show with, you know, like interviews from the cast that were pre-recorded and then cut back to us uh, all in our homes. And so I'm actually excited to try it that way, but um, we hope that, 
you know, and I guess broadly too, between Talking Dead and these podcasts and The Wall, which is back on NBC and um, very uplifting, I might add, uh, that is now going to be on 8 p.m., uh, 7 p.m. Central on Sunday nights as well. And we hope that the entertainment is a good distraction for you in the midst of all the craziness and all the, the sort of media overload. And, and so, it, you know, to take a step away and, you know, basically have like a mental break, we hope we can provide some of that distraction for you. And also, just in the spirit of staying home, um, we may, or or we will actually, start to do some podcasts that will be recorded uh, remotely via, you know, some type of video conferencing software that we're we're working out right now. I've never, I've only ever done it one time. Uh, I did it with Warren Ellis, I believe, in 2013, because he was in England. And and that one actually worked out pretty well. But in general, I always thought, oh, no, it's always great to be sitting across from people so you can really connect, like, people and see each other. Now that's obviously not really an option, but... um, we are still going to, you know, make as many podcasts as we can uh, via uh, web conferencing. And we're lining up some good guests. So I am hoping that uh, we'll be able to put those out soon and that you won't be able to even tell that we're not sitting across from each other. So business as usual. We'll just keep uh, moving ahead and we'll proceed like everything's uh, totally normal. But in all sincerity, as I said before, um, I hope you're okay. Uh, I hope you're safe. I hope you're comfortable and taking care of yourself. And I hope you are staying home, if it's at all possible. Okay, with that said, let's go to the corkboard. This is from Christopher, who writes, 22 years ago, while I was a student, I envisioned a world of monsters. Uh, I proceeded to spend the following 21 years building worlds and creating monsters from others in television, film, and tabletop gaming industry. I've designed makeup effects for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, and Firefly. I've created illustrations for Dungeons & Dragons, Magic the Gathering, and Star Wars. I never forgot about my world, and it has slowly grown and taken shape over the past two decades. Five years ago, I finally began putting the pieces together, and now the Kickstarter for the first book in the Grand Bazaar of Ethra Vandalia series has launched. The books, um, for there's the main book, a coloring book, and... A, edition, a fifth edition compatible D&D stats guide are all 100% complete and are in the printers waiting for the Kickstarter campaign to end. I just need everyone's help to get the books printed. You can find it on Kickstarter by searching The Grand Bazaar, B-A-Z-A-A-R, of Ethra Vandalia. So uh, well done, Christopher. And for anyone else out there who has a thing, events at ID10T.com is how you would share that. This episode is Carrie Elwes, who, by the way, you, you are going to love this man if you didn't already love him. He's literally been in some of the most iconic things um, in our culture, you know, just besides Princess Bride or like Robin Hood Men in Tights or Hot Shots or like Glory um, or The Crush, which is such a fun rewatch. Uh, my wife and I watched that with a group of friends last year. And uh, he and he's he's in so many great series right now. He's season three of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is on Amazon Prime. He was just in Stranger Things, um, and we had uh, kind of gotten to know each other a little bit from a panel that I moderated. And he's a terrific guy. I was a huge fan of his before. I am now a bigger fan of his now. And uh, he just could not be warmer and funny as fuck. So fucking funny. So uh, this episode, 
I, I think will uh, entertain and distract you from the world uh, with the incredibly wonderful, charming, and hilarious Carrie Ellis, which is 1053 of the ID10T podcast, which starts right now. Initiating ID10T protocol. By the way, yes, one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, I, the fucking the, the best. It's on right now. Oh, it's on somewhere. It's playing, it's playing on Stars this month. Oh my god. It's uh, so I'm re-recording. Return the map. Yeah, right. I tried to show. I tried to show it. What the bloody hell is going on up here? <laughs> right. Turn off that light and get to bed. Right. You can quote every line. That's awesome. That movie... It's just a thing on my nose. And... <laughs> so good. So good. Is it absolutely necessary to put... <laughs> he says he's afraid it is. Genius, <laughs> right? He punches everyone. Punching, he hands it. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. It's total genius. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, yeah, a lot of people talk about... Uh, you know, obviously, the the... Life of Brian, of course, because sadly Terry Jones just passed away, but Life of Brian or uh, any of the other Python films that were in the... But uh, although Time Bandits was a Gilliam movie, it wasn't a... But they were in it. They were in it, but everything Gilliam did was genius. I mean, you look at, um, like, Jabberwocky. Yeah. Okay, which was actually, I think, uh, a Gilliam Jones co-production, really. Mm -hmm. And... Jones and Gilliam both had a, a sensibility about history. Obviously, they were great historians, and that's why all their skits are about Vikings and great big right. panning shots. And what, you know, right. um, but Gilliam was the artist as well, and so he could he could do storyboards, mm-hmm. and that's why you know when he took over directing um, and became his own voice, he could always count on them coming back and playing with them. But Terry was really the director for. The feature films for for Life of Brian and uh, although they all had a hand in it, you know they were all. F- <laughs> I think I, I think I think Palin directed Life of yeah. Brian because I watched an interview right from a just like a chat show from like 1978 right, 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 right. eight or nine or they something. They all did, and it was Cleese and Palin who were debating yeah. with like a bishop yeah, yeah. and That's like right. a, a Christian conservative yeah, about, broadcaster about how inappropriate, about how inappropriate it was. And, and they were like, well, we didn't make it about Jesus. And they're like, come on, yeah, of no, course no. you did. No, uh, even though Jones gets the credit for it, um, they, they they all kind of, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, that's how it worked with them. Did yeah. you work with them? Yeah, I made a point of working with them. I, I sought them out. I'm, I'm blessed enough, as you know, in this career, in, in the lovely career that we have, if you really focus on it hard enough and nudge the universe a little bit, things can happen. And so I got to work with uh, with Cleese on the Jungle Book, the first version, right? Uh, and uh, with Lena Headey, and then I worked with Eric Idle on um, a kids' movie called Ella Enchanted, which we shot. In oh, the- right, oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and so I got to work with both of them. So I'm, you know, I see Eric more because he lives out here. 
I just saw him the day before Terry passed, actually. It was very sad. And, and what's, what's so fascinating about them as a group is yeah. that, you know, when you talk to them, they're like, you know, we only did Python for like a couple of years. No, like, I know. It's such, a, it's such a tiny sliver of right. their careers. But they're the Beatles of comedy. Of course they are. You know? Yeah. And they know that. that there'll never be another like it. <laughs> it. That's it. Right time, right group, right... right. Everything, everything, yeah, every, every, everything, everything about it. I love. Every once in a while, I'll rewatch John Cleese giving the eulogy at Graham Chapman's funeral. Right, right, it's hilarious when the, they spill. His oh, ashes. That, that was at I think that was, was at the Aspen Com- Comedy, Comedy Festival. Festival. Right, right, right. John Cleese is giving the eulogy actually at Graham Chapman's funeral. And saying what a bastard he was, he says, "What a bastard he was," and he said, <laughs> "You know, we, we of course were the first." And he's very dry, he's very okay. somber. Yeah. You know, we were the first uh, group to, to get to say shit on British television. Right. And Graham would never forgive me if I didn't take this opportunity at a British funeral to be the first person to say fuck. And the room just <laughs> erupts. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just the, yeah. those guys together. They're just there's no. It was just like a moment in time. Yeah, it was just yeah, a moment, moment in time. time. Yeah. By the way, I'm. I just noticed your purple rain shirt. Oh, thank you. Which is representing. Fantastic. Thank you. Have you watched Purple Rain recently? Oh, it's great. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie in years. I got to see him live a year before he passed away, at the Bell Center in in uh, Montreal. Yeah, which is a stadium. It's where they normally play uh, 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 hockey, and. The security came out and they made an announcement that absolutely no photographs. Right. They couldn't make everyone turn their phones in, obviously, otherwise it would take too long. But if you take a picture, you will be escorted from the premises. Right. right? It was that kind of thing. Right. And, of course, it's Prince. So, like, you know, it's like almost 2,000 people in this stadium, right? How are you going to stop 2,000 people from right. at least one person? They had security guys walking up and down the aisles, you know, checking the entire time to see if you took, you took a picture. And, of course, <clears throat> I thought when I, I was checking to make sure that there was no one around, I took out my phone and thought, I've got to get one. Because he, was ama- he really was amazing. He actually had an all-girl band right here, his drummer and his guitarist. They were all girls and all women. And he even had a woman on stage whose sole job it was was to carry a bounce around to make sure he was well lit. I mean, you can't. And I thought, I had to get a picture of that, right? I had to get a picture. I mean, that's so, you can't make that. No one would believe me. So I took out my camera to take a picture of that, and I felt an enormous hand on my shoulder. I turned around, this huge security guy. He's like, come on, time to go. I went, no, please do it. He goes, no, you know the rule. It's time. Let's go. Come on. Right now. Come on. Vas-y. I went, no, please. I'm so sorry. I made a mistake. He's like, and I talked my way out of it. Oh, wow. And he goes, I'm watching you. Oh, <laughs> you know, man. it was like that. You, you know? You, you sort of... You, you, <laughs> listen, do you ever... I, I've had this conversation with other people before right. where they're like, you know, there are times when you don't really want to be recognized because right. you're like right. eating or you're with right, your family right, right, or whatever. Right. And there are times where you're like, boy, that could really bail me out yeah, right sure, about sure, now. Sure. You sort of give the profile, huh? Right. How about oh, now? Right. No, it didn't matter. I didn't think it mattered. Did, that, for Prince, it didn't Well, he matter. sounded French and it sounded like he was just not going to... Not interested. Like, not interested no, no, at, at all. all. At all. Uh, I never got to see Prince live. He was amazing. Of course he was. Amazing. And he danced in high heels. Yeah. That was part of uh, the injuries that he sustained is that because he wore these these uh, bell bottoms and he hid his heels he was in like five inch heels this guy yeah jumping up and down and doing splits and uh, you're like holy crap how does anyone do that without shoes right right now imagine that in high heels well he was and he was not a tall fellow not a tall fellow but what makes but what's interesting about that like the, the humanity part of that is even though he was prince 
And even though he under, I believe he did understand that he was Prince. Yeah, yeah. He still had insecurities. He sure. still had things that sure. were just like he still had stuff about his body that he yeah, probably hated. Sure, sure. You know, he was like, a human being. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Like yeah. we all. And yeah. That to me is like that's comforting in the sense. I mean, it makes me sad for him, but it's comforting in the sense of like. Yeah, no one. Everyone's got a thing. Even Prince. Yeah, even Prince. Even Prince had right. a thing. Yeah. Had a few, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you got to see him. Yeah. So it was a real gift. You were very sweet the other night because we were at the this Vanity Fair thing, mm. and I saw you when we were walking in. But I'm. I just feel bad. Like sometimes I feel like, oh, the people don't. They're not going to know. I'm going to walk. I'm going to go. Hey, and you're like, who are you again? You know. So I just. And you were kind enough to step in and go hi, and I was like, oh my god, hi, thank you. But I didn't want to please. I was, a, I didn't want to bother you. We were about to work together. So I, I thought, know, I, I know, say, I know, yeah. I know, but I just didn't, you know. I didn't, I'm a fan anyway. I so, didn't. I wasn't yeah. aware that you yeah. had any. Yes, because we did this um, really fun panel over Halloween right. at the Television Academy, and. Um, which was really fun. It was actually. Fun. That was, it a, was that was a good God, panel. That was funny. That was so funny with <laughs> with Jake Busey, Jake Busey, and, then, and, and, and Ryan and, and, Hurst, and, 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 and David. Yeah, so funny. Yeah, Jake was really funny. Jake was really funny. sweet. Was funny. Like a really sweet guy. Yeah. And you came up and you said hi, and I and you know I was talking to my wife afterwards. I go, you know, it was really nice. It was Carrie was re- like he introduced himself. He was so gracious on the panel because you just you don't ever know like you don't know people you know have you been doing a lot of panels lately because of i mean uh, uh, not so many panels but a lot of press obviously but uh you know you're lucky if if your show is somewhat successful and and people want to see it and and they want to talk to you about it that's a great thing i know know, when you have a show where no one wants to see it nobody (laughs) wants to talk to you about it it's really (laughs) quite depressing no but there are people who are in the business and i feel like they really understandably there are parts to loathe about that dance especially now in this sort of like clickbait headline junket Mm -hmm. you know like uh whatever it's just like i feel like everyone's there's these like gotcha moments yeah. you know right and so well we knew that wouldn't happen with you anyway no that definitely and, would not. and also it's like a great group of people i was working with i've been very lucky i worked with some wonderful people and uh i love to support the shows that i work on yeah i think that's part of the deal that you when you sign on you have to support them yeah whether the product is something you admire or not that's also that, that's part that's part of the acting you know, game in a way totally yeah you know and and you have to help sell the product that's part of you know, you're an ambassador for that product. Right. You know, whether you think you are or not, right. you are. Right. And even if you think you're not, you're still an ambassador for that project. So. But I also feel like that, like, yeah. when you see people who've continued to work consistently throughout yeah. the years, like you have, I, I always kind of know internally, like, they also must be like a really cool person because it, you know, it, you just, you wouldn't continue to be employed that many years. If you were difficult to work with, people would just be like, ah, you know, but you've worked on, you've worked on some of the, literally oh, some you. of the most iconic thank things you. in our culture and not thank just you. Princess Bride, but, thank but, you. you know, men in tights and twist, like all these really fun, different types yeah. of things. Yeah. So what, where did you, when you started out, what did you think your career was going to be? Did you think, well, I'm going to do theater? I'm going to do well, like. It's funny. We started out talking about. Monty Python because they were very influential on comedy was a great influence on me and growing up as a kid we only had two channels in England right two right okay and, BBC and one it, and BBC two it. you had to get up and <laughs> change the channel and then I because we were three kids growing up <clears throat> and I was the youngest I was the guy who had to hold the aerial 
you know, and, and so I could, and sometimes I'd be behind the TV, so I couldn't see what was going on. It was just, that's how ancient I am, Chris. You had to and, get the aerial in, in the, the right, way in of the, the you yeah. had to catch the signal. Yeah, and that often meant missing the show. Yep. Anyway, so when I when we did figure out how to jerry rig it with tape and uh, duct tape and stuff like that, and and move it around that way, <clears throat> TV became my friend. And that's where I saw it as being a magic lantern as a kid. I'm like, I've got to get inside that box. It's so much fun in there. You know, life is so dreary and drab and depressing and London and gray and damp and rain and this. And these guys would come on. The first show I saw was actually Terry Jones, Palin and Cleese in a show called Do Not Adjust Your Set. Mm -hmm which you can look up on YouTube now. They have episodes there. It was black and white. It was very dada, very, very obscure and very abstract, but very silly. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time even three of the Pythons were on the same show together. Okay. And you could see immediately there was a chemistry there. And this was before Python. Before Python. Yeah. yeah. So that's when I started doing my homework. And, and the other big comedians at the time were Peter Sellers, and Spike Milligan, mm -hmm. and um, uh, uh, and who was the third guy? Who was in the Goonies? And oh, that guy. Right, right. Anyway, right. so they were the, these were the competing comedians on TV at the time. And if you if you really were uh, uh, into comedy, that these were the guys you had to watch. And when Python arrived in the seventies, it was like must see TV. And you didn't have recorders back then, and you didn't have VCRs or anything. And you had to catch the show when it was on. So you had to plan your day around. It. <laughs> I mean, it really was. Or like you going might never see, see it again. again. Yeah. Right, which yeah. is a huge thing. So that's why it became such an event. Because you really had to go, okay, whatever dinner you were at or show you were at or meeting you were at, you were like, guys, <laughs> I'd love to stay, but i got to get home because I've got important stuff to do. Now, you know? and now yeah. what, at the time when Python came out, was it yeah. considered sort of like punk rock on British television? Like, oh, yeah. Was it the kind of thing that parents were like, you shouldn't watch this, this is oh, yeah. drivel? Oh, yeah, subversive. Right. You had men dressed as women and, and, and uh, you know... Uh, uh, grannies beating up people and it was, great, it was amazing the, you know the bishop who was a, 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 a what was he the bishop he was like a, a east end gangster right you know, the bishop <laughs> I just thought I thought they were absolutely and so you had to learn if you were really into the python you had to learn everything right you had to learn all the skits you had to buy all the books anything that had the skits written down again before the internet and you had to study it and really – and they brought up – they had albums. They had books. They were really smart about merchandise. Right. You know, in a time when there wasn't a lot to, to promote. Oh, yeah. I mean, know? I've heard stories like they would go do their live show in German. Like no, they were just like the most brilliantly educated no, people. Unbelievable. They all went to Cambridge. Together, yeah. You know, most of them. Yeah, that was, that was, the, that was the thing is that the – when they – did this debate with this bishop and this Christian broadcaster? They 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 were sort of looking down at them. And the, the bishop was like, um, oh, "Yes, I I'm I'm familiar with this college humor." Like he basically was. <laughs> wow, you do that really well. He, he was, <laughs> you do, and I'm that's from a Brit, Chris. I'm just imitating. No, a, that's really I'm just good. Imitating a cranky old a cranky old bishop who was just trying to like put them in their place, but but wrote it off as like this is. And, and even the Christian broadcaster was like. 
you know, he was trying to, he was like, you're better than this. Like, oh, that's he, how I, right, right, right. Deme- like, totally demeaning yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I sure. get what it is. Yeah, right, it's not right. really the highest form of you. art, though, yeah, is it? And then he was just basically hilarious. trying to put them in their place. But it's like, well, that's, if you're sort of like in the, in, to any kind of punk movement, you kind of want to hear that, right? Yeah. You don't uh, yeah, want exactly. the ruling class Absolutely. to be like, we get it. Subversive. Because you have to be subverting, subverting. against something. Subverting. Yeah. And so from that love of Python, did did you think well I I want to go into comedy or was it just so yeah so I knew that that comedy would be fun to do I was obviously wanted to be in film and 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 uh, and and do any good work um, but I I wasn't opposed I think what what Python and and Sellers who if you have not watched is I'm sure you've seen uh, the movies he did with Kubrick and stuff but, oh yeah but if you find out his other stuff online check it out and of course being there and things yes. like that but his early work. You know, his early movies are really amazing. Mm-hmm. And and so these were people I looked up to, as well as British, established British dramatic actors like uh, Olivier and, and Ralph Richardson and Gielgud and Burton and, Ta- and um, um, O'Toole. And Ralph Finney, Richardson in Time Bandits. Ralph, of course, who I adore. Ralph was actually my favorite of that era, of that of that group. He was really my favorite. Uh-huh. And the fact that he did Time Bandits just elevated him in my books. So, yeah. I, I studied them all. I became like a human sponge of film, television, the, the, the film industry, the British film industry in particular, because I was in England, about the great uh, golden age of film, uh, which really started in sort of the 20s with Hitchcock all the way through to the war, to the end of the war. And that's and through the 50s a little bit. And then the 60s, obviously, had Darling and great, yeah. you know, all these fabulous directors, David Lean and everything, and 70s. And it sort of died off after that. But you had this long swath period, which I grew up in, not the 40s and 50s, but from the 60s onwards, I had a good couple of decades of fabulous TV and yeah. film going on. Um, and so I was a sponge. I was educating myself. And so how can I get to work with the very best people, whether it's in dramatic work or comedy? And the comedy didn't come till later, actually. I was really doing mostly drama until Princess Bride, you know? Oh, wow. You well, know? Princess Bride, in a way, I mean, it's, it's sort of... Um... It's not some of it's played as comedy, but not right. really. Like it's just this beautiful fairy tale. Well, it's pretty silly. It's but <laughs> you know, I mean, even that's what I think. Honestly, even the Pythons were very fond of it. It's pretty silly. I mean, You've when got... when you have the Billy Crystal and like right. the Carol Kane, they're obviously yeah, doing these big yeah, crazy yeah. characters. Yeah, but yeah. but but there but there are other characters that are, are that have to be pretty straight to in order to Robin Wright is the straightest character in the whole thing everything right. happens to her she's right. kidnapped she loses her boyfriend and she's forced to marry someone she hates right she has to be the dramatic centerpiece of the whole thing the straight right. person uh, but but you know you have they're surrounded by all these crazy you know, like albino and, yes you know and humperdink how and the six finger man I mean, you can't make it up you it's can't silly. and and it literally is probably I'm going to say maybe the most quotable movie in the history. <laughs> uh, uh, up, up, that's why it was up up to that point. You had basically Python being the most quotable. Yes. You know? So I feel pretty proud to be in something that has some pretty good quotes. But they're just like – and I, Time Bandit is sort of the same way. It's like a lot of comedy, if you do a lot of comedy, you can track a lot of stuff. You watch stuff and you go, oh, I see how they got from A to B to C. But it's just like whose decision is it? To have Andre the Giant say, anybody want a peanut, like, after the scene has... That was actually not in the script. That was, um, uh, the producer came up with that on the day. Yeah, and it's like, um, that, how the fuck do you even, like, it just, 
so much of that movie isn't tr- like ha- this is so wild and Time Bandits too is like so wildly yeah, original, totally original that it just doesn't. Which I were they talking about trying to remake it at some point <laughs> recently? You just can't. It's not possible. No. It's like trying to remake Groundhog Day. No, like you, you can't. can't like it, it. No, worked can't. because no. it was then and no, those no, people. No, like no, it's no, not. No, it's no, not. Well, we live in an in an era now where people, are, are, especially studios, want to save money and <clears throat> finding material, Chris, that they don't have to spend a lot of marketing on. Of course, you know, a built-in audience. So, of course, you know, um, even video games or, or comics or whatever. Yeah, the easier the sell. Yeah, uh, much less stress on that. I get that. You know, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. There are some things that are just like you just no, don't. You can't, you can't take a can't swing at that. No, you just can't no. take a like, swing you at that. Never touch. A Kubrick film, you should never touch a Hitchcock movie. Right, and there are things you just just don't touch. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. There should be a maybe. This is sort of like the Library of Congress. Somebody just step right, in and right. go. We're going to create like the. It's sort of like the, the film protection. Society. Yes, exactly. And it's yeah. sort of like the vaulted Hogwarts. <laughs> that's like hilarious. You should. You can't go in there. You're right, that's funny. To start opening things, you just like that's, that's there. That's all. That's all. Prote- we should. We should protect some films like right. like like national monuments or right. like historical pr- properties. The good news is the audiences are pretty savvy to that stuff, and anytime they see a film that they know is a studio attempting to just cash in on something, yeah, they haven't really spent a lot of time trying to figure it out, yeah. They don't. They they stay away from it. But when the studio does do a good job, like I thought they did a pretty good job with the Mary Poppins sequel. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, my I took my daughter to see that and she enjoyed it. I mean, look, is it as good as the original? It's never going to be as good. It's just you know, one's a magical thing that right. of its time, and the other is a kids movie that ha- has some elements. But it can still be fun and it can still, still be, be fun. enjoyable, and enjoyable. And yes. they did that. Yeah, and I think they did that really well, especially bringing Dick Van Dyke back in to play his older character was fun. But did, yeah, you know, I mean, it, most audiences can smell that stuff. They know, they know a stinky movie when. <laughs> I remember. I remember living in New York, and seeing the trailer for um, uh, the Postman. Mm-hmm. Kevin Costner. Yeah, yeah. Where he's just walking that he's horse. Walking around and... that horse, and he's uh, delivering mail. It's, <laughs> and after the trailer was done, somebody it's only in New York. Somebody in the back of the, uh, the audience yelled, "Junk mail." <laughs> 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 and that's a New Yorker for you. That you know is, what I mean? Uh, you know that must have killed. Killed. That must have killed. Killed and killed the movie. Yeah, Gosner was really. There was a period of time where he was really obsessed with like, a, like a post-apocalyptic. Why? Yeah, I don't know. It's like, you know. well, okay, okay. So the well, what if everything was covered in water? All right, that's fine. Yeah. What if it was? He was trying to deliver a piece. Okay, fine, fine, no, fine. That's absurd. You know, because he was really uh, such an incredible. Uh, movie star at that point with with Untouchables and Field of Dreams. I mean, Dances with no, Wolves. Dances with Wolves could do no. By the way, a great piece of direction. Yes, I mean, for first time direction. Yes, stunning. So it begs to wonder why he would think that Waterworld was a good idea. <laughs> you know, but I shouldn't judge. You, I've got some some real classics out there. So. Well, it's hard. You know, like yeah. it's it's. You know, Liddy and I watch a lot of like low budget horror, and so we're oh, very really? forgiving That's funny. because. We understand how hard it is to. It's like for anyone to illustrate the process. What they do is like you know, picture an object in your mind and then try to draw it. Right. It's you know, unless you're a world class artist, yeah. It's very difficult sometimes. A lot of things ha- can happen, especially in a movie where you know, like there just has to be this like symphony 
everyone has to kind of just sync up somehow. Yeah, There's just a magic. Like a magic. The studio has to be out of the way just enough. that It's a total magic. It's, 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 it's alchemy. And when you get it, it's like catching lightning in a bottle, as you know. Did Princess Bride yeah. feel that way when you were making it? Did it seem it like, we're making, like we're making something different? It felt like we're making something fun and different. Because yeah. Rob was so tuned into it. I mean, he literally would sometimes give me line readings, and, you know. Because he knew he knew it in his head, he could hear and see the whole movie in his head. Yeah, and and when you have a director who has that kind of a vision, yeah, you're you're on pretty good. Unless their vision sucks, uh, um, <laughs> but if their vision happens to be something that 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 people can uh, can tune into and and and, and it's, has a, a broad appeal. You, you, you usually are in good shape. Right, right, right. But it's tough to know because someone might have the vision, right. but still, like, yeah. getting it shot properly, getting it, getting it edited it, properly. The yeah, the execution exactly. of it is yeah. still is still really it's a difficult. You have to have the vision and the execution. Yeah, was, was and surround yourself with incredible people. I absolutely. Mean, you know, he get, he he found the, the the costume designer for Lawrence Arabia. <laughs> I mean, I had the same person who decked out O'Toole and Omar Sharif and all those guys put put so, you know, suede and, and suede pants onto my legs. That's unbelievable. But he was, but you, but the character was basically kind of a Douglas Fairbanks type, though. We, that's so, what we looked at. We looked yeah. at Zorro and we looked at uh, the Black Pirate and we looked at all the kinds of and drawings from early editions of, of, of the book. And really came together with this look for him that was very Zara like, very Douglas Fairbanks. Yeah. yeah. And was the, I can't remember because I was, well, I guess, what was it 87? Did that come out in 87? 87, yeah, shot in 86. 87, yeah. So I was 16. I, I remember when it came out, was it, a, was it a big hit at the box office or was Bombed. it the kind of, it <laughs> Bombed. How many stories of like, but then when it came out on home video, it right. became like the biggest thing ever. That's what saved us was the invention of the VCR. Yeah. You know? And thank God for that guy, because we'd still be uh, in oblivion to this day. And so, uh, well, a lot of movies wouldn't be seen, but 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 um, that saved us. A lot of people were renting copies and then buying them and loaning them out and giving them as gifts and then holding on to them. And and uh, that's when you they kept started keeping track of sales and rentals. Mm-hmm. You remember, I think Entertainment Weekly had a page where they would give you a list of what what the sales and rentals were for each movie. Yeah. And and that ancillary was was very important for studios because you could actually make a lot more money in ancillary than you could in the theater. Sure, because something's only out for a few weeks, right? But ancillary, you keep keep buying and renting and so on, and so that saved the movie. Then it became like this underground cult thing. Well, there and it also is like you just never know. You never know because. A movie like that maybe it was a slower burn because people just really had to absorb all that was going There's on. There's a lot. It's a lot going and on. And then it just sort of like wove itself into the fabric yeah. of the culture. But I think that uh, that especially was when studios started going like, oh, maybe the box office isn't every like it's good, right? But maybe it isn't everything. No, right? You know, totally. like maybe it's. And now you see that on Netflix where right, stuff right, right. that. Like, oh, it did okay, but then on Netflix, you know, like, oh, you know, 50 million, well, right. how well, are they? Right, tabulated. They don't, we, they were, we don't know because they don't release their, uh, their data. Well, I think they, yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't want to tell anyone. They've started bragging a little bit sure. here and there. But it's going to come to a head at some point. <laughs> I guarantee it. People want to know because, you know, there's, there's, every, there's a lot of money in that. Sure. We're talking, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Anyway, but. Beside the point, yes, thank God for that guy who 
saved us with I wouldn't be sitting here with you probably but when so okay so this is really interesting because the movie so you say the movie didn't do well Mm -hmm. and then after it came out were you immediately working on something else or were you like fuck we oh god yeah I was um, because you did hot shots let's see what did I do after that I did Glory. I didn't work for two years because the movie tanked, so I didn't get ar- I couldn't get arrested. Oh my gosh! And so I finally got Glory, uh, which was a fabulous film with Denzel War, and Morgan, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Matthew Broderick, and that was shot in Georgia. We, that was with um, Edswick. Mm-hmm. And did uh, that win the Oscar that year? It won for Best DP. Uh-huh. Freddie Francis, our DP, was fabulous. This guy, he was from the old school of British film, and again. You know, you had Edswick and and, and uh, Freddie Fields, the producer. He had this project for eight years, wow. so he knew that by the time TriStar signed on to do it, he'd already had a list of the greatest DPs and the greatest set designer, the greatest costume, the greatest this. He'd already amassed all of that. He'd gone through a few who'd come and gone because they couldn't wait. But then finally, he had a team yeah. that he put together that was just. A, I mean, it was just a winning team. Yeah, winning. Yeah. yeah. So glory, glory comes out, and then. Hot Shots must have been like 8990, oh, yeah. right? Hot Shots. Um. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, the coldest case experience stories like never before where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design plus as an audible member choose one title a month to make yours forever and now new members can try audible free for 30 days just visit audible.com slash wondery pod or text wondery pod to 500 500 that's audible.com slash wondery pod or text WONDERYPOD to 500-500. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I think Robin Hood Men in Tights, I think. I, can't, I, can't, I don't know my own career. Isn't that awful? I don't know the timeline of it, Chris. <laughs> well, it's just your life. So it's, it's like my life. No, I should know. Shall we cheat? Sure, let's cheat. All right, you got it. Well done. Katie's got Katie. it. Katie. Here we go. Let's see what came out first. Uh, so, so the Robin Hood, yep. the Crush, Dracula, Hot Shots. Hot right. Shots and Days, Days of, of Thunder, Thunder, Glory. Glory. Prince. Oh, my God. I did Days of Thunder before Glory? No. It came out after. So this is uh, this. Oh, is this, earlier. Is the, this is earlier. Yeah, the, the bottom. So Princess Bride, Glory, Days of Thunder. Oh, wait. Let's just... This is we're looking at this. Let's I start. So Yesterday's Hero, Disco Dancer, 1979. Seems it, time appropriate. It's not true. <laughs> there's no way to tell IMDb it's not true. They don't care. They, they don't, don't want care. They don't want to listen. Okay, so Princess Bride, Glory, Days of Thunder, Hot Shots... Um, Dracula, Dracula the, the cru- which by the way we just watched the crush no way, about a year you? ago. No way, that movie is so fucking fun. It's fun, right? It is so fun. 
It's crazy. It's Alicia Silverstone's Alicia, yeah, yeah. Then Robin Hood. Which yep. again, and again, talk about quotable movies. Yes. You know, growing up in England, uh, the other person that, whose films you had to see were Mel's. Of course. You, uh, you, if you were any interest in comedy, you, you had to have Mel's films studied and, and, and learned. Did you audition for him or did no, he just he offer called, you? No, he came to the premiere of Princess Bride. He came to the first screening on the lot, on the Fox lot. And he brought Gene Wilder with him. Oh, I, I, my God. You know, I know. Just a heart attack for me. Because, you know, right? I mean... Can you imagine finding, you know, did Carl you, Reiner and Mel Brooks and did Gene you Wilder? And, of course. I, mean, I, I don't know what I said. Something. I think I, I dribbled. <laughs> I probably dribbled, Chris. I drooled. And he was very sweet. He said, oh, you were wonderful in this film. It was really great. It was really fun. He seemed like yeah. a really Lovely, sweet guy. Lovely, sweet guy. Yeah. And I just floated out of the cinema after that. I was like, my God, I just met, you know, I Mel ha- Brooks and Gene Wilder. I have at home, I bought at an, uh, an entertainment auction. What'd you get? Gene Wilder's credit plate from Young Frankenstein. Did you really? In that, in yes. That, like, gothic script. Beautiful. It's on a piece of glass. You have it? In, it? In, it's in a frame. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. Yeah, and I, I, I managed to get Mel to right. sign it. Did you so, really? Yeah. yeah. He's also, he's a, a mentor to me, a lovely man. He's very old now, you know, he doesn't, he's quit the business, you know, but um, he doesn't have to prove anything. No. You know, he's got nothing to prove. He's done it all. But he also came out of that period of time when, you know, it's, he, he really approached it like a job, you know, Mm. it's like that sort of like working class, like Mm -hmm. it's your job, you Mm -hmm. gotta, you know, cause he, he, I don't know if he still has, he might still have his office. But yeah, he's on the you, like, he would go yeah. to the office every, the day office every day and, yeah, you know, it was like, yeah. it was it's like a, a full-time thing. It was no, a full-time like, job. Because I think he grew up in the studio system. Yeah. And, you know, back then, it was like a job. It was a career, but it was also, if you were lucky to have a career. Right. But it was also a job. You had to go in, check in, you know, and go onto the lot. And people worked on the lot, which yeah. is, you know, still something that I love about this town that's yeah. still going on today. Oh, yeah. And speaking of Kevin Costner, Robin Hood, which, of course, must have led to Robin Hood Men in Tights, I I would imagine. And then we ran into each other. and (laughs) That was fun. He pointed at me and went, very funny. Very funny. Very funny. And with that, we pause to take a quick break to thank our sponsor for this episode of the ID10T podcast, Squarespace who can help you turn your idea into a website or a blog or showcase your work, um, sell products. If you want to create a storefront or or transfer one over, now is a good time to do that. Announce any kind of project or a special event, you know, with beautiful templates uh, created by world-class designers. There's powerful e-commerce. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. You can buy and choose domains from over 200 extensions. And now email campaigns. You can do email campaigns with Squarespace. All right, you're going to get consistent content straight from website to email, powerful editing tools uh, to make it grow, and then layouts for any kind of message, mobile editing, so you can send it anytime, anywhere. So Squarespace just keeps getting better and better and better. Um, So go to squarespace.com slash ID10T, get a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code ID10T to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace, now's the time. Build a digital thing, and Squarespace is going to help you do it. And now, let us glide gently back into this episode of the ID10T podcast. But um, it's um, uh, was working with Mel 
does he sort of just let you go or is he very specific about what it is that he needs? You know, it's funny you say that because he's a bit of both. Thank you, Katie. He's a bit of both. He he has very specific. Rob and Carl, I think they all grew up in, in the same guy because Rob obviously grew up watching uh, his father and Uncle Mel work. Yeah. And so they have that work ethic of it is very specific. And comedy is very, it's a timing and it's delivery and it's everything, right? Body, you know, the whole thing. And so, if, you know, uh, for me, it was an education because I come from, and British human, American humor, believe it or not, even though Monty Python, you know, basically crossed that barrier, for the most part, British humor doesn't really translate well in America. <laughs> it's very different. Sure. But how, luckily enough, because I grew up watching Mel and all things American uh, culture as a kid, fascinated by it um i was in tune with with their sensibilities and so i'd watched all in the family i'd seen almost every episode of, of all in the family i'd seen all of mel's movies which makes it's based on a british show totally yeah and um and so i i luckily i did my research i really did have such a love for their work and comedy as a whole so when i got to work with my heroes it was like Manna from heaven for me, yeah. Chris, you know? Yeah. If you could have told little Carrie at age six watching TV and dreaming of being inside that box that he was actually going to get to work with all these people, I would have, uh, I would have laughed in your face. And do, are, you, are you able to appreciate it at the time that it's happening? Or oh, yeah. is it like stressful? Oh, no, or not at it, all. It it's all like, no, it was all fun. Good. I totally was living in the moment. <laughs> I was pinching myself. I mean, I went to I always go to work early anyway. And I'm not one of the last persons to leave. And so I, those, those shows, I was there really early. I couldn't wait. I was, Mel's like, what are you doing here so early? I'm like, I, I came to watch you come to work, Mel. You're not even working today. What are you doing here? I said, I'm just going to watch you do your stuff. That is a spot on Mel Brooks. <laughs> that is a really good Mel Brooks. Yeah. And what's funny is like, even at that time, he must have been 70 yeah. because yeah. he's probably 95 so, by now. Yeah. And answer your question, he would let you, he would do one that was very specific to what he needed. And then he'd let you do your own thing. Oh, fantastic. And, and so, and sometimes the scene would be a mixture of those two things. You yeah. Know? You know, and he would just say, Okay, let's everyone do something silly. Something silly. This will be the silly one. Silly. <laughs> Did you ever pick his you know, brain about any of the... Oh, yeah, all the time. You know, he told us that, you know, how difficult it was to get some... It was difficult to get Young Frankenstein made. Nobody wanted to do it. Um, they didn't want to give him the budget. They didn't want to do it in black and white. Mm -hmm. That was absolutely a no-no. That was like a, almost the movie was folded on that. Right alone so you know man had to fight for these things how do you know, know though like that's what that's what's i guess that just separates like visionary people from regular people he, he went and rented all the original equipment from the frankenstein movie that was still in storage mm -hmm. so all of that's authentic you know where marty feldman's going around banging stuff that's all the wow. original equipment you oh, know that's amazing so that's why he wanted in black and white he really wanted to to give it the authenticity of being a serious Frankenstein movie. Right. And have, you know, all this craziness going. Kenneth Mars. Kenneth Mars. Oh, my God. Amazing. Right? Amazing. Amazing. Yes, I can see that you are. So good. The mo right? Yeah, he, gets, he can get really big and then no, he can no, just get no, really, God. really, really, oh, really yeah. small at the same time. The cast. Madeline Kahn. Marty. Terry Gar. Terry, Terry. Put the candle back. <laughs> 
You can quote it. You can quote, right? You can quote. How many movies can you quote every line to? I mean, Princess Bride has a few, but but Mel, it's every line almost. It's all. It's it's a lot of them, right? Yeah, it is a lot of them. That's. I think about the pressure of that. Yeah, but he. Yeah, I guess so. But also because of his background and you know, like working in television and the Sid Caesar. Right, it's like right. They, you know, he had, had a to. he had a sketch background right. where. You know, in that like, writer's room. They had to economize. They like, had to fight. For, yes. You know that? They all did. Neil Simon, all of them. They were Carl, all of them back in the back room, Woody, fighting to get their stuff on to the show. To get their stuff on, yeah, because you know. every, you know, the episode, it's live. Right. So, like, the sketches, real estate is right, very right, limited. Very limited. So every joke has, has to, to land. Has every to joke has, has to count. count. Every, everyone has to count. So I, I'm sure That's that trained them. Yeah, you're must right. have contributed to that. But, but it's still, it's even the performances of, like, you know, Gene Wilder is 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 so he's mostly serious in the film, but then just has those like I want you to be very careful. <laughs> yeah, right. But don't put the candle like right, just yeah, like yeah. going into like no, a weird cartoony. Totally. How how totally. do you you know class I, I, dis <laughs> dismissed? You know, because he's sunk the scalpel. Yeah, yeah. Into, it's great. Every everything it's is so great. Great. Did the, any of that ever make you want to direct? One day, I'd like to, you know, um, when the phone calls stop ringing, uh, uh, for, for, I'd like to give it a shot, you know, for acting. If, I mean, once, once I can transition. I think actors are, make some of the best directors. Rob Reiner, Mel, all these guys, Redford, Ron Howard. I think some of the best directors are actors. They know how to talk to actors. They understand the process. And they know how to get great performances out of you. Right. You know? Right, right. Um, and so I think even even the best directors were, were obviously had some acting knowledge to them. They have to, in order to be able to get what they need out of the actors. Like Coppola has definitely studied acting. There's no question about that. Right, right. You can tell by just the theater games he plays and stuff like that. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. He totally. It's joyful. You know what I mean? It's playful. Right. We play for yeah. a living. Well, it's it's you true. Know? But there's just so much. But my daughter coined it best. She came to watch me getting getting dressed in my trailer one day, and she goes. Daddy, I go, yeah. She goes, do they pay you to do dress up? <laughs> I said, well, I hadn't thought of it quite that way, but yes, they do. And she went, they do. And that was it. She was sold on the idea. <laughs> That's literally what it is, which is why it's so funny because we just came out of like, we just came out of award season, thank God. Right. And it's so, I mean, listen, you know, people work very hard. It yeah. is a serious business. But, you know, when you see this sort of the gravitas. I know. And I it's know, like, it's dress up. We are just playing dress up, you know. It's, it's like it's, it, it's hard. I'm not saying no, it, no. like not everyone can but do it. But it's fantasy life. But it is fantasy life. Yeah, yeah, it is at the same time. But it's just so tied to yeah. like yeah. it's the most important. Yeah, know, it's it's the most. But so, but it 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 absolutely. If you can have the attitude that you have of like it's fun, we it's get to, fun, like and it should be fun, of course. If it's if you know who wants to go to the dentist every morning, I no, know. But I it know. it's just it's 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 there's so many pieces to it that are so unfortunately fused to our egos and yeah, our insecurities yeah, yeah. that it's well we're pampered a lot yes you know we're probably the most pampered people in the business yes yes know, someone always rushing to you going do you want a coffee how do you want water do you want it ice cold or room temperature i've never that i'd never heard that till i got to la room temperature or ice cold i went well i don't know i was confused I'm like which one should i have <laughs> You know, and and you do. People, you know, I started out working in the business in production, and I was that guy. I, I made tea and coffee and, you know, all that. 
So I that gave me a great perspective on it, Chris. Right. So that by the time I went in front of the camera, you know, I was I knew what it was like to be part of the crew. Yeah. And so whenever I see actors giving crew a hard time, I'm like I pull them aside and go, dude, you know. <laughs> These guys don't get paid enough to take that kind of stuff. Right. Honestly, you really should give them a That's break. really nice that you do that. I mean, you have to. You're doing them a service. I think so. I like to think. Sometimes I stick my, my wife's like, you should just, just, just zip it. <laughs> yeah, but you know. But I can't stand seeing people being bullied or actors thinking they're very important and that, that they can treat people a certain way. That's to uh, me, it's, it's like. Just, it's just, it's just, it's, just not it's, it's an emptiness and an insecurity. You know, and it's like you can see right through obviously. it. Yeah, you can see right through obviously. it. But and obviously, look, everyone can have a bad day. That's understandable. But we're not allowed but, to. No, that's true. And, and so, and the gift that we have to play act for a living. Yeah. You shouldn't come to work if you're if you're miserable. You should go do something else. Right. Honestly. Right. We're putting on costumes for God's sake. <laughs> for God's sake. <laughs> this is why I think you'll make a great director because the first person that I comes mean, to set and tries to give you a hard time, you'll be like, "Listen, no, really. You, you. It's a joyful thing that we do. Yeah, it really is. And when you connect with other people, and it's a beautiful thing, as you know. It's, yeah. It's a, it's a magical thing. Yeah. That was the other thing I said to my wife after we did that panel. I was like, you know what I really love about Carrie? And Jake, too, had this, right. too. It's like, there's real joy in, like, they have a real joy about what they do and a real joy in talking about stuff that they've worked on and, and really embrace, like, you know, because I think I may have said this to you on the panel, but, you know, I obviously not when the movie first came out, but it, you know, but being so identifiable with, the, mm-hmm. with something like Princess Bride, yeah. you're like, yeah, that's great. I love that people remember it because what's the alternative? No, is the alternative that... is, is obscurity. Yeah, of course. No, um, you know, look, the Duffers, uh, Stranger Things. Stranger Things, yes. There's a commonality to, I feel, with the people who have succeeded in a way that's profound. But, and I can compare them to Copeland, and this is the comparison, that they come to work joyful they understand the process is joyful and they understand it's playful mm-hmm. totally playful in order to be playful you have to be relaxed mm-hmm. and to be relaxed you have to you have to be relaxed right uh, and and create an atmosphere that is conducive to creativity right which is joyful right yeah and these guys i mean look at they're writing for teenagers and they're in their 20s 30s how do they understand kids they're, because they've never lost the child inside of them. Right. Right? Right. And to me, when you meet an artist who has that, who's never lost the, their inner child, and is the Peter Pan in a sense, right? Right. You're going to see something very special. Right. It's true of Al Pacino, of, of Gary Oldman, all of them. Well, also because they haven't been sort of jaded to the... To the point where they go, oh, before they talk themselves out of like, oh, you, we can't do this because of X, Y, or Z. Like they mm-hmm. go, well, if we were going to try these things, how would we do them? Exactly. Like how could we create, yes. you know, like there's a curiosity behind it. There's a massive it. curiosity and that's a childlike curiosity. Yeah, yeah. And that's how they approach their work. And I'm not saying they're childish. No, 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 I'm no, no. I'm saying they have. The energy. The energy and the excitement and the, 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 the discovery and the awareness and the, and the desire and the, and the curiosity of a child. Well, that's what sort of fun about our culture now is like obviously in the days of the you know the golden age of film and the great Mm -hmm. you know it was very much like stars director they were like all up here right and just in some sort of pantheon and untouchable and now 
you know, we're in the age of like, oh, these fanboys <laughs> get to make their thing. Right. And so it it's just it's it's I feel like it's grounded them in a way that um is is better, you know? Yeah. It's like there's there's more of an accessibility right. and more of a willingness, I think, to play because I mean I imagine in the old days it was just easier to be isolated. You were right. sort of sequestered from the rest of culture. Yeah. And now of course with social media well, it, was con- like it was a controlled sequestering because yes. you know, uh even 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 under the studio system who you had dinner with and where you ate, right? Like Sardis, and you had to eat with a new starlet because it helped her boost her career to eat with you. You know, all of that. Like that, the was, photo- that was the retweet of that, that day. Was, that was the retweet yeah. of the day. And the studio would send the cameraman to catch you at dessert and whatever, and that right. that made the papers the next day. Right, Com- Hollywood Confidential. Right, right, right. Stuff, right, and so it was very controlled. And not much has changed now in terms of the the fascination that we have for for celebrity, you know. Um, but now it's you have your publicist or whatever, or your social media guy or person or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, do that for you, you know. Are you a part of any of that at all? I no? did join social media. I, I I sort of, I'm not very good at it. I'll be honest with you. I'm very luddite. Sure. You know, and I'm a day late and a dollar short on a lot of things. So yeah. My fans are like they they they're, they're nice enough to like overlook that <laughs> you know i think my fans are the nicest fans in the world because they're they're able to see past um you know the 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 the, the loose threads in my in my uh social That's media healthy though i mean listen i don't think social media is eternal i no. think there's going to be a certain contingency of people who are so tied to it, whose identities are so right, tied right, to right, it. Right, right. And then eventually it's going to fade, like just because of the ebb and right. flow of life. And then a lot of people are going to be fucked because they just, it's like, well, what do I do? I don't, right. who am I without, right. without that? Yeah. yeah. And so, believe me, I think you're better. I think it's this idea of like, oh, you know, sometimes it's fun. I definitely think that's a better long term plan. Certainly right. a better, a better, no, I try to keep plan. it from, for, to promote the work I'm doing, obviously. Yeah. And, um, Sometimes I'll get political, but my, you know, my wife is very. She's the final arbiter. She's much more social mad, savvy than than I am. Yeah, social media savvy. So I, I run it by her. Yeah, and also if you want to keep it fun, you know, it's just like there are some parts of it that are just not fun. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, it's yeah. not fun. Why yeah. don't you do that? You know, yeah. I just want to just want to live my life and go go to work. Yeah. Did you? So you worked on Miss Maisel, but are you done shooting it? Done or shooting. You're that. done shooting. We're it? done. That was that season. I just did one season of these shows, which was great. I mean, I, I got to be in two of the most, <clears throat> some of the p- most popular shows on television between uh, Stranger and, and Maisel. So, and, uh, and again, Amy, Sherman Palladino and Dan, very, very much childlike curiosity, fabulous, totally creating an atmosphere that is so joyful to work with. I mean, we're laughing like, I haven't laughed that hard on a set in a long time. So funny. But so you, silly. You must, but you, I feel like because of who you are and how you see the world and the way you sort of navigate life, I feel like, you know, you probably feel like, oh, I'm so lucky to work with these people. But I would argue that you probably, without realizing it, attract these situations because of, I, because, of who, because of who you are. Thank you, Chris. And that's, I hope and, so. and that's, I, I like to think so. Because they so. probably recognize that about you too. Like, oh my God, Carrie's so, I mean, you know, I love our process. It's fun. Yes, it's, like I said, it is fun. Yes, and and I don't take it for granted at all. Are you good with downtime? Like, do you? They pay, Michael Caine, who I just worked with. Oh, you one did of my, one of my heroes. Oh my god! Yeah, we we just finished shooting a movie together, oh. um, called Bestseller, and he's amazing. And 
I asked him about a quote that he once had that I used, that I still use. Okay. And I asked him if it's true. And he said, yes. And this is his quote. Okay. They pay me to sit around. The rest I do for free. (laughs) 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 Right? Isn't that great? That's brilliant. That's fantastic. Right? By the way, just do with this what you will. Maybe a fun thing for you to do on social media. Just some what? montages of impressions. Okay. Because you got a good Mel and you okay. got a real good Michael Caine. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm saying it could be a fun, fun Thank way you. for you to play with social media a little bit. Yeah. I've oh. heard he, I've heard Michael Caine is like, he's, he's j- likes to talk. Like he will talk oh, about stuff. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I asked him at first, I'm like, are you okay with me? Like nerding out on you <laughs> he's like, yeah by all means go for it and I, I couldn't believe it so i just i wouldn't i think i got tiresome at one point because you have to remember besides i told you growing up studying film and studying comedy and tv and drama and everything michael fit right in there with he was up there in the pantheon of finney and o'toole and burton and, and you had to watch you had to see every movie that Michael did. It was like if you missed a Michael movie, you were, you were really not cool. Right. Right. And so his body of work is like, I mean, it's bonkers. Right. And so I picked his brain every day. Um, and he was his memory. He remembers everything. Oh, that's everything. great. Funny, a great storyteller. And again, joyful, totally joyful, totally playful, totally fun. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, another I mean, like super quotable, amazing, amazing, right? He, he, he the, I can't remember what it was he won the Oscar for, but when, but he was accepting an, he was accepting the award, and you could see what a sweet guy he was because he was very vulnerable about like, look, because I've always been someone in a nutshell. He's like, I was always afraid of not working. And so I've made a lot of crap, you know, like just the idea that in yeah. his mind, like he's taken a lot of roles that he oh, took yeah. because he just wanted to keep working. And yet, so we see him, it's kind of like the Prince thing, you know, we see him as this icon, this legend. And to him, he's just this guy who's navigating a business, who's scared of not working again, who just continues to work. Unbelievable. Yet at the end of it, when you take a step back, you know, we're in awe of what he's accomplished. In awe. In awe. But he's amazing. I mean, like even, you know, in films that he probably thinks are not films he is very proud of are still classics today. Right. You know, and I remember watching uh, Swarm (laughs) and The Hand. And I'll watch it. I'll watch it. You know, because it's Michael. Well, that's the thing, too, is that get inside the killer bezer (laughs) camera. I mean, you know, that should be on a T-shirt. Right? I wonder, if he, does, he, does he read that in a script and is, does he go, oh, fuck, what am I going to... All right, I guess right, I just got to say go it. For yeah, it. He's you know, just, just going to say it. Committed. That's you know? really funny because there's, there's an acting lesson in that too. Well, he gave acting lessons. You should look at it. You and Lydia would love this. There's a, it was a VHS, and I'm sure it's now on DVD, of... Michael Caine teaching people how to act, you know, and how to not blink in a close-up. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll think you're a total wuss. You know, things like that. It's great. I mean, you have to watch it. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Is he, is he doing it for straight? Or for straight. It like, it's totally straight. Totally straight. But it, obviously, it's very funny because it's him. But to see a great actor in, you know, like, not a, not a great movie is such, like, that's a part of the business that I feel like 
you know, like when people train to be actors, they're mm. training to work on the best stuff. Right, right, but, right. But to go in and still navigate a performance when you know, like, well, the production really isn't, and then this, and then, you know, it's not, the director's not as experienced, but you still have to figure out, like, how do I still go in there and do the best, the best that I can, I can do and I then know. be able to walk away and leave it at the door and go, you know what? It's out of my hands now. Like, that is a fucking skill set that should be taught. Well, you have to learn that. You know, I learned it. You have to learn it. You have to let go and let God, you know? Right. Um, there's only so much you can do as an actor. You've got, you, you can't offer your opinion. You have to wait to be asked for it. Right. You know? Um, and so, uh, and if they really want to hear it, <laughs> There's always that, you know, and you have to navigate the shoals of, of niceties and, and, you know, and diplomacy to make sure, right. you, you know, who you're dealing with. Anyway, it's for me, like I said, it's been an incredible ride. If I die tomorrow, I'm a happy guy. Don't do I, that. No, but I mean, I'm just saying you, if I look on my career, I've really done everything that I've ever wanted to do. I mean, you, you know, really think about it. I really you've, have. You've gotten you've you've done some pretty fucking pretty, cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff. I mean, some like insanely cool stuff. I, and even even it's like all these things that we're talking about, you know, especially, you know, Princess Bride are talking about some of these Michael Caine movies. You just some things just need time to percolate, yeah. And so you can't like feel like that's the dangerous thing with judging stuff immediately too. It's just sort of like the we'll see, you know, we'll see, yeah. You know, like whatever this didn't do well in this way, but oh my god, it's like the biggest thing ever in this other way, right, and it right, just right. took a few years. But you just you honestly just don't know. Who'd have thought that Gone with the Wind bombed when it came out? Right. I'm mean, not Gone with the Wind. Um, uh, Wizard of Oz. Sorry, Wizard, Wizard of Oz bombed. Bombed. How? I mean, it we, didn't become a cult until it was started to air at Christmas time on on national television. And you have to ask yourself, like, well, it's not like there were a ton of options. So, pe- no. like, and the, the 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 Oz part is in color. This is a right. new technology. No, no, right. Like, from the technology standpoint alone, why weren't people oh, like, like, holy flocking. shit, it's amazing, yeah, amazing, yeah. yeah. And now you can't imagine that film in any other way. I mean, you can't. I mean, if it's on. If you have a kid in the room, it's not it's not being turned off at all. Right. It's unbelievable. Well, that happened with Citizen Kane, too. Did not... I mean, right. obviously there were reasons right. that it was uh, suppressed, which right. may or may not have had something to do with my... my <laughs> whatever. <laughs> He's a nice guy trying to live his life, you know? And this right. fucking... This, right. this hack director right. comes right. along uh, to yeah, do yeah, a hatchet yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, right. But someone else also explained to me that they go, well... That, but part of it was the WR of it all, but then the other part was that it was such an avant-garde movie when it came out that totally. it just people didn't know how to process it. Didn't know how to process and so it. a couple decades later, they start showing it on television, and people are like, "Wait a minute! Yeah. This was it's a, like it's like Antiques Roadshow. Like, totally. oh my god, this clock is well, right. you know oh, this, I love this old that clock show. that's been in our house forever. Love is, that show, of course, is it great? It's great, especially when oh, I didn't know it was worth that much. Well, that's. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like that's the moment that you wait for. It's yeah. great either way. Like it's great if someone finds out that so they you have found a... this in a dumpster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there was a little girl on the other day. She was like six. She was really poised, and she'd been dumpster diving with her mom. <laughs> found some 18th century portrait, American portrait. Oh my god! You know, and she goes, "My mom just said we should probably get that," and it was great. This and did the did, did the antique dealer say like? 
Little girl, do you need help? Is your mom throwing you into dumpsters? Exactly. Get in there. Yeah, right. You get the and fuck the, in there. The you find me, right, a, right. find me a Rodan or a Rembrandt. Rembrandt yeah. and then keep digging. <laughs> no, I think it was the mom who went in. Oh, the mom went the in. The kid was watching for making sure she was safe. Where is that? Where are they dumpster diving? Exactly. Yeah. Like where? I mean, I think you have to like go to an estate sale or a house that's being torn down. Yeah. You know, and watch what's being thrown. I mean, you obviously have. I don't know. I've never done it, but I'm sure there's a process. But then anyway. the other side too is like. You know, this teapot has been in my family for 200 years, and they look at it and they go, oh, yeah, this is only, like, yeah. 20 years old. Oh, yeah. what the fuck? You know, <laughs> right. it's like that's the other part that's kind of fun, too, where right. it's like you, right. you, you either watch people, like, win the lottery right. or right. you just watch a dream yeah. shatter at right. the same right. time. Right. But but again, it's just like you, you like some, some things just aren't of their time yet. And if no. something comes out, maybe the the culture just needs a little bit of time to, to catch, catch up, up to, to it. it and we just we just don't we just True. don't know Kane had you're right it was not considered a masterpiece at all when it came out at yeah. all yeah and now it's the it's the standard by which every filmmaker you know Francis screened it for us when we were making Dracula really yeah yeah and he has his obviously his own screening room and stuff sure yeah and uh, there were a lot of films he wanted us to watch but he particularly wanted us to make sure that we saw that that's not just the sound of that first sip of morning joe it's the sound of someone shopping for a car on carvana from the comfort of home that's a good blend it's time to take it easy like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes talk about starting the morning right just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget Mm -mm -mm. visit carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be convenient comfortable ah what makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's kind of fun. Really I don't. Cool. I don't hear that for casts. I mean, I guess if you're Francis Ford Coppola and right. you know you have you and Gary Oldman, all these people, you probably as Coppola go like, come, come to the screening room. We're going to watch this, and everyone goes, okay. Well, we were living with him up in Napa. Oh my god! We did all the rehearsals up there. How was that? Oh, it's great. <laughs> so much fun. He's got the boat from Apocalypse. He's got the Navy PPR boat. Oh come on! Sitting in a field. Do you, did it's you really we were all like... hanging out there? It was great. Oh, Tom Waits, fun. It was so much fun. We had we got we got up to no good. We were we were all staying up very late. It was fun. Was that fun. makes me happy to hear that. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you appreciate it so much, I think, is nice for people to hear because you like knowing that the people that you enjoy appreciate stuff the way that you do or the way that you would if you were in yeah. that situation. Yeah, you know. Like I said, I was a sponge growing up for studying film. So when I met my mentors, I, they knew right away that, I, oh, he's done some reading. You know, right. I, I, I couldn't help it. You know, right. I really, like, had done the research and studied these people. Yeah. So, so that by the time I wanted to work with them, they understood why. Right. Yeah? Right. It wasn't just some guy off the street going, oh, I think you're pretty talented, <laughs> and I wouldn't mind doing something with you, Mr. Coppola. You know, it was like an informed... That was a Terry Jones character. It was a bit of a Terry Jones. It was a bit of a Terry Jones character, right? Right. Um, you know, I, it was much more an educated uh, approach. That's I thought, was important for me. 
so that I had <clears throat> let them know how much I appreciate them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever did you ever think like I want to do like a lot of crazy character work or any kind of cuz I would this is going to be a weird question but right. you're such a handsome fellow <laughs> that I wonder at certain points where you're like oh but if Gilliam called I'd absolutely <laughs> Put on the skull's head like <laughs> David Warner in Time Bandits. David and, Warner, you know, you know. David, have you ever worked with David yes, Warner? Yes, got to work with David. Do you? You must have seen Time After Time. Oh, it's genius. The David Warner is such an incredible. Oh, he's a wonderful actor too. Wonderful, wonderful. Titanic. He's wonderful. The Omen. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, he's brilliant. He's brilliant in everything. Everything. There, there's, there's like um. There's such a certainty in his performances totally that he natural. just is like totally natural. He's just like I listen. I also loved Tron. Maybe I was of a certain age oh, when great. Tron came out. I but he's fucking great in Tron. I freaking love Tron. <laughs> Tron is genius. I'm so glad to hear you say that. I'm so glad to hear you Way say that. It's time. What did you work with him on? Oh, we did like um, <clears throat> I don't know, a, a horror anthology, TV anthology series. I can't remember. It was like um. Not Twilight Zone and Outer Limits. Something oh, and Outer like Limits, that. something type of like thing. that. Yeah, that kind of thing. Is he? Is he still alive? Still oh, God, alive? I think so. Yeah, he's very old, but he's been around. I mean, dude, that guy's been working at it for, since he was a teenager. You right. Know? I mean, he's like a serious pro. Yeah. And you have to remember too, when these guys were starting out and working, it's not like now. There's film and television and there's streaming services right. and there's Netflix. They're all and theater Hulu. trained. These They're guys. All, of course. You know, there's a commonality between Kane and. Burton and Finney and O'Toole, all those guys came through the theater. They were all trained on the stage and they became, they honed their craft in a way that is profound, that very rare the theater actors, their work transcend onto film because it's obviously a completely different medium. Sure. Or, you know, the way you act on the stage is completely different than having a close up. Right. Right. And where you don't blink. Right. Where you don't blink. <laughs> otherwise, you're a wuss. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? Anyway, but these guys were so good and so talented that by the time that, that Michael Caine fought and tooth and nail to be cast in Zulu, and I think he's, I don't know, nineteen twenty or something like that, and he had to persuade the producer to, to let him play the part because they just wouldn't hire him. And the studio didn't. They were like, absolutely no way. There's no way. I picked his brain about that. And he said, I got the role of the tough, Kerry. I got the role of the tough, right? And I had to be a snob in, the, in that part. And I, and I tell you what, I had to fight to get it. And he did. He fought to get the, to himself noticed in, in the industry when he was earning nothing. Right. You know, they don't pay in the theater. No. Well, also, I also think there's that. You know, the, especially that's what's so interesting, too, about, you know, British culture versus American culture in entertainment, because there is I imagine there's definitely more of British of like tall poppy thing where it's like, you, oh, yeah. you can't be. Yeah, yeah, you're, that's it. You've reached the 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 pinnacle of your career. And if, if anyone suspects that you think you're better than it, then they will just like you're done. You're fucking done. Done. Yeah. Whereas here, that's sort of. <laughs> Yeah, sort of celebrate, celebrate that. Celebrate it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about America is that there's less snobbery than there is in England. Oh, that's interesting. Because you know, in England, you know, people look at your shoes and they're already, like, judging you. Sure. You know, you know or the, whatever, how your accent is. Right. Very judgmental on accents, which is why I love studying them. Right. You know, you ever seen Michael Palin's um, Ripping Yarns? 
Yes, of course. How great is that? Yes, yes, now, yes. Palin's from Yorkshire. Okay. Right? He's a Yorkshireman. That's why one of those episodes is all about, you know, football, the Yorkshire right. football team. You know, he's very much that, to me, his sensibility, his sound is so musical and lyrical to me that I studied it carefully, you know. Have you gotten to use it in anything? No, but I just wanted it. I love hearing it. It's like a melody to me. Right. So um, they're melodies to me, these accents. They're, they're yeah. actually beautiful. Right. They're to be celebrated because they, they represent a different cu- part of the culture. Right, right, you right. Know? And instead of people like going, oh, well, you know, that must mean. That's why Cleese will always play the snooty upper class characters looking down on people. Like, right. It's a five minute argument or a two minute argument. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. He was always playing that guy who was looking down on you. And he also actually was, was very, a physically was always, very tall you know, man looking down on people. Guy, yeah. Or, yeah. And so they were making fun of that. And that helped break that barrier. It helped a lot. A lot of people who thought, okay, this is silly. Why are right. we putting so much f- emphasis and focus on, you know, you, you're beneath me because you, you're from this another part of town. Well, my, one know? of my best friends married a British guy and just, like, moved to England. Right. And she loved, like, she was very much an Anglophile, loved, loved British culture. But being over there, like, first of all, she's like, it's fucking gray all the time, like dark gray all the time, <laughs> yes. not light gray. Like we were, we were, yeah. per- she, uh, we performed together a lot. Gray, she, gray is a very important color. in Yeah. England. Yeah. We, like, we, we, were in, we were in Philadelphia and it was like cloudy. And she goes, this is the most light. Up. And I go, it's gray. She goes, no, 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 this isn't gray. Yeah. Like, That's light gray. This is light gray. Which is, which is like on the spectrum of on, on a rainbow is important in England. But you know, it blows. Because there's gray, light gray, and dark gray. And dark gray. And she's that's like, it. It's been dark gray for three months, she said. But she's like, it's so fucking trippy. And this is kind of how she talks. She's like, my friend April. She's like, it's so fucking trippy. There's a fucking queen. There's a queen. Yeah. There's like a family. There's a family. And she goes, and when she says stuff, it like means stuff. It's like, this isn't the fuck. You know, like it blows. Right her away and so but maybe sort of that stratified class system is still this this holdover yeah. from you know just the, like centuries of oh, please of colonialism and, yes and, and empire yeah no it is it is but like i said that's why i gravitated towards watching comedy in england growing up because these people always they never they they, they made fun of it all right nothing was off limits right especially these the the the, the complete um, stupidity of, of of class distinction. Right, right, you right. Know? And so now banality, spend, I should say. Do you, well, yes, banality, and also the bureaucracy. The like bureaucracy, the pythons were also great at yeah, yeah. You know, of the bureaucracy of anything. Right. You know, it's just sort of the everything has some sort right. of a structure that right. is designed to get in your way. Totally. And that's that sort of that idea. Um, I don't know if they invented that, but I don't recall no. ever seeing you no, know like no. that. Wasn't, that. They, wasn't they trying to get a trying to get a cooker, and there was a long line of all these people who were trying to get their cooker, uh-huh. and they had the wrong paperwork. <laughs> and, and I think Brazil, Brazil is all about right? that. Do you remember the beef one of yeah yeah they the break is, in the thing you got to sign the form, the form and then they it's brilliant yeah 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 all of it. So what do you it fixed what, itself did it? It fixed itself. <laughs> 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 so good. We now I gotta watch. I tried to show Lydia Time Bandits and it didn't. It didn't gotta resonate as much with her. Oops, sorry. It didn't resonate as much with her, but I still. Yeah, you have to watch it again. You really. It's like that's another one. You're like, how the fuck? Who, 
the, the, the universe, the, again, bureaucracy, the universe is a corporation, basically. Mm-hmm. And even Ralph Richardson looks like a CEO. Like, he totally. looks like the president of a company as the supreme being. And it's just like, oh, they're just kind of going through and correcting all the mistakes. Thanks, from when, yeah. It's a typo. Yeah. The whole movie is about a typo. <laughs> it's like Big Lebowski. The whole movie is about a rug. Yeah. Uh, Brazil is all about a typo. Brazil's about a typo. It's yeah. supposed to be Tuttle instead of Buttle. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, because uh, something gets into the typing machine or a something. Fly. A fly. A gets dead into fly. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Causes chaos. Yeah. And Time Bandits is all about the mistakes. Like, right. the, we're the fabric of the, the universe. fabric of the universe. They're just holes. Yeah, just holes. And they're supposed to repair them, but they decide to basically just go, I don't know how the fuck. I, how do you... And they, they were even saying that even with like Life of Brian, if it hadn't been for George Harrison, yeah, writing that check, they he they mortgaging never, his house, yeah, they never would have gotten to make never. it. But George Harrison just happened to have a weird sense of humor, and he was like, you know, he was, mortgaged his yeah. house. A beetle mortgaged his house <laughs> for Monty Python. <laughs> Eric Idle says it's the most expensive movie ticket ever, ever paid for. Did he, he, he must have made? I mean. He, he, oh no, he did very well. Okay, that. good, good, yeah, yeah, good, yeah. good, good. No, that, that film is has gone into the pantheon of, you know, talk about ancillary. My God, but I don't know if those did those movies do well in the theater when they came. Oh God, out. yeah. Okay, I saw, good. I saw Life of Brian in Westwood. Oh, you did. Packed, packed, and there was a long line for the next screening. Oh wow! Already waiting for us to come out when we were walking in. So you've been in LA for quite a while. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, I would visit here a lot. As yeah. Great, you know. Yeah. Um, but oh, massive line, and you could barely hear the dialogue. Oh, that's great. You know? That's great. Well, I hope that you at some point get to direct something Thank you. because I, I do think that there's this. You have a certain fluency. I, I just I think it would be a joyful experience for you, as stressful as I imagine directing is. Joyful, joyful, totally yeah. joyful. Joyful, this is mildly stressful, but but joyful because you have to have the last answer for everything. The stress is fun, though. I mean, you know, yeah, it, it, you have a lot of responsibility, obviously, but but if, if you you surround yourself with the best people, right? You know, I've noticed that with the shows that I've worked on, you know, where where they've done they've been something memorable. It's it, all you have to do is. I think Truffaut said it. You put 99% of the people around you who, who know the, more about what they're doing than you do. Yeah. And you're in pretty good shape starting right. out. Right. He described it as a train leaving a station. The, regardless of whether you're on the platform on time, you need to latch onto that thing. <laughs> it's going to go. Leaving it's going to go. With or without you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, you know, um, will it go off the rails? Probably. Right. Probably it's how you manage that crash. Right. Rather than just sit there and watch it happen. Right. You know, and he said, there's, you know, every film has its trials. There's always something. Yeah. Always. You know. Oh, I didn't even, I totally, God, I don't want to keep you here forever. I just, I don't know why this just popped in my head, but like, Saw is one yeah. of, like, the fuck, that's another movie that just completely redefined a genre right. of, of film yeah. that you, I mean, that, I feel, feel like Saw was sort of the beginning of the new era of like, oh, you can make an arty horror movie that actually is, becomes like a worldwide phenomenon yeah. and isn't, you know, isn't just, when you were making it, did you feel like, oh, we're just making this fun, weird little movie and, you know, like yes. whatever? I knew that. James Wan had a great eye he, as a director. He was a great artist. He drew all the all the set designs himself. I mean, he showed up to our first meeting with a 
with an artist's notebook filled with all the drawings. Mm-hmm. He, he'd drawn the, the puppet and the mask and all the bathroom set and Adam's apartment, all of that stuff, already well, ready to go. And he built the puppet. He traveled with it from Australia. And actually, he actually booked a seat for it. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't want to put it in luggage in case it got crushed by, by luggage handlers. Right? Ah, scared the can shit. You, can you imagine? Yeah. And, um, and so I knew that it, it was definitely original. Uh, but we, we had no idea with that when we shot in 18 days. Oh, my God. cost like a million two hundred thousand dollars. Oh, my God. And it shot just... it all at the Cagney and Lacey Studios, right? On the five right here. Oh, really? Cagney and Lacey, Lacey Studios. Where yeah. They shot Cagney where they and Lacey. shot Cagney and Lacey. It'd be it's weird right if they called it that and they didn't shoot Cagney and Lacey yeah, there. it would be weird, like, right? No, we'd no it's, it's right by Dodger Stadium. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, it, again, was that just a... When you read the script, did you, did you kind of get what it was he was trying to do? Oh, yeah. Really? Okay. No, no. Absolutely. But, you know, we had time for maybe three, three takes tops. Right. Right. Do you like working that way or do you like, like, because I imagine when you work with Coppola, it's like, okay, we got some time, we got a little space, we're going to do this a few right. times. It Both work. They both have their pros and cons, Chris. Like sitting around for too long can can actually be, t- you know, even though, like like Michael says, they, they pay you to sit around. Sitting around for too long is really, you get, start getting depressed, you're like thinking about the amount of money it's costing. Sure. You know, and, and uh, that can be stressful. Uh, or, or just trying to keep your engine running, to, right? To, you know, um, but speed is fine because it actually, I think, like television, um, it gives you less time to overthink stuff, right? You know, right? You, actors, if you give them too much time in their trailer between setups or something, they'll, they'll <laughs> overanalyze it all. You know, <laughs> Hark! I hear the cannon roar. Right. <laughs> Can we do that again? No, no, there's no, no time. No, no. okay. No. Oh, that was the one. Oh, that's what we're, oh, we're printing. That. Oh, sure. Gary okay. was so funny when we did Dracula. <laughs> but my first line, he came up to me and whispered to me, "He goes, are you doing it like that? Are you?" <laughs> <laughs> did you know him before then? No, no. That's and we what... became instant friends. I mean, he cracked me up. Yeah, he just hit me on the floor. Yeah, I remember that he was on the podcast maybe like four or five years ago. Great. And I realized when we started talking, like, I didn't, I don't think I knew what your regular voice was. Because yeah. he just. No, he's a, a freak of nature. He's so incredible. He becomes the part. Yeah. And lives it and sleeps it and eats it. And, you know, must be very tiring on his, on his system. But he, he's so into it. Yeah. And he's a natural. Some of us have to work really hard. At it. And you look at him and you go, okay. He may, by the way, I'm sure he does do a lot of work to make sure. it look easy, but um, but it does seem like switching on a light bulb for him. It's unbelievable. Right, right, right. Unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know. Acting is acting is one of those weird things where I it just it's like how do you know if you're doing it right? Like how do you know? <laughs> That's you why know, they like, have a director. Yeah, of course, I know, but still, like how do you? Like... Mel, Mel would come up and joke with him. Go, all right, in this next next take. Stuck less. Okay. Action. (laughs) (laughs) You know. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Yeah. You got to teach me how to do the Michael Caine at some point, though. Okay. You're good with voice. Nah, just I could do a couple here and there, but it's just the... uh, the the one that I when I whenever I hear Michael Caine now I, all I can hear in my head is Master Wine like it's that <laughs> I just hear him as Alfred now right. Master Wine you know yeah, like yeah. in it, it but the guy it 
he must have done like 200. Is he still working? I just finished a movie with the oh, guy. Oh, this just happened. Yes. Oh, I didn't realize this was like literally just literally happened. Literally just happened. Oh, my God. Yeah. And does he... Does he... Loves it. Oh, fantastic. I mean, he's like on it. Never forgot a line. Never missed a mark. Nothing. He's totally... I mean, dude, he's been doing it forever. Right. You know? Right. Like I said, these guys came up through the theater. Yeah. So they're like so professional. Do you envision yourself as someone when you're, you know... 85, you're like, I'm still going to get out there. And then... I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question, Chris. Um, I don't know. I you just, just don't, don't know. know. You won't know till you get there. Yeah. If I start forgetting dialogue, that would be the time to quit. That would not be good. Right. You know? Yeah. Alzheimer's, early Alzheimer's. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't. You don't. I'm like, cause do you, you wouldn't. Yeah, because obviously you, you probably feel bad for the production. You totally. Don't wanna, yeah. You know, the old guy who's like, they're all waiting on you to say your line. Right. You don't remember it. That's uh, Carrie. We got yeah. to give him that. We'll shoot around him. Yeah. <laughs> Just shoot from the back of his head and we'll dub it later. <laughs> Just all your Over lines are just all like over a, his shoulder. Just That's a, it. Yeah, just, just like nod. nodding up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and they get a sound alike. Are you? Uh, lastly, like, what are you excited about right now? Like, what what makes you happy? Like, what makes My you daughter, joyful? The oh, that's nice. Production I'll ever do. She's a little over budget. She's <laughs> right on schedule, and uh, the best thing I'll ever do. Best. How, how old is she? Greatest. She's twelve. She's about to star in. Um, the Little Mermaid in her school. She's playing Sebastian. She gets the best song. She gets to play Sebastian. Sebastian, which is the, she has the best song. She has "Kiss the Girl" and and uh, and uh, "Under the Sea." She's great, and she loves it, and she's totally into it, and and a joy. Good. She's a, smarter than I am. I'm so proud of her. She's so much smarter than I was growing up. I look at my homework and how how I thought it was tough. What I had to learn at her age. She's learned algebra and is like. Nailing it. Right. You know. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how the heck? How, I, I, she would come and ask me for help. I'm like, you're, I'm the wrong guy to ask. I'm telling you. You know. That's really nice. I'm glad to hear that. She's amazing. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I, I really can't thank you enough no, for coming you. all the way out here. I know you live way across town. It was nice for you to pop by. Are and... you kidding? Come and see this horrible place that you work in? <laughs> My God. This loathsome... Filthy, rundown, <laughs> dump. Well, if you're you know, not, if you if you're listening to this podcast and wondering where we're doing it from, we're doing it from one of the great Hollywood mansions. Absolutely stunning, what you've done with this place. Oh, Chris. thanks. It's absolutely amazing. Thank you. Yeah, we we like to you know we like to renovate. We no, like to renovate. You know what? There's a, Hollywood, as you know, there's so little left over. Yeah. Now you know. I mean, when they taught Ampic Fair. That was like a how they could let that happen is amazing to me. But the fine line between what real estate developers feel is important to, to preserve and what they feel is worth turning into a parking lot is to me a, a travesty in, 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 in terms of preservation in this, yeah. in this country. And luckily in England, they're very careful about that. Right. We have a lot more history, thank God. But if you, you know, when John Cleese dies, they're going to put a blue plaque on his apartment saying John Cleese lived here. Right. And yeah. you're not allowed to. Yeah, don't touch touch it. Yeah, don't touch this. Leave it the way it was. Yeah. And to me, there's so much great architecture in America, especially out here, given all the, as we talked about, the whimsical designs that people came up with. Yeah. To me, if you're 50 to 100 years old, you have a right to stay up and not just stay up, be preserved and and protected. Yeah. And I love that you're doing that. Oh, thank you. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, we're trying. You know, we're trying. It's like there, there is, um, 
I don't know. I, I, I we're just not like a, a business first. Like I guess the developers, you know, it's like ah, oh, we gotta. Gee, we got to put up another right. one of these glass boxes, and I guess financially that no. makes a lot of sense. But no, you got to do it. And by the way, when you're restoring, as you know, old houses, you have to find craftsmen who know what they're doing. Yes, those people are real artists, and they don't come cheap because they have their craft has been passed down from generation to generation. Yeah, and there are a few people who know how to put a tin ceiling in. And, well, you know, but, or, but every or, you but, know, yeah, but but what happens is every fucking time, <laughs> like there's there doesn't really seem to be like a standardized way that everything works. No matter what tradesman or, right. or craftsperson comes in, they all say the same thing, which is like, who did this? How? Why did they? Right. I don't know why they. It's right. always wrong. Always, always wrong. Oh, I'm sorry, but it's the same in England. Oh, sorry, all electricity's got to come out. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who told you, you could all do that. All, all of it, all of it, all of it, oh, all of it including the neighbours, because they're oh. actually going to affect the electricity. <laughs> so we'll have to talk to them. No, it's 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 a nightmare. It's a it's I mean, a because, non it's know, a nonsense process, and you just have to yeah, be go with it. We're renovating a structure now that's on well. It's like there's a carport underneath, so it's like on stilts or whatever. Right. And we just discovered that what we thought were the support beams, no. like in the thing, aren't connected to anything. You're like it joking. basically just set it on these stilts no. like a fucking dollhouse. No. That's sort of the thing that you have to get comfortable with is like, because you said your mom was an interior designer. Right. Did that involve like, not, like was it just furniture? Or would she like Everything. knock down? No, no, no. You no, never no. know what's going to happen when you open up a wall. Never know. You never know. You know, and she worked really hard at it. She would bring us to the sites, of course, because, you know, if we had time off from school and we would go with her to work. And so and sometimes she'd put us to work, yeah. you know, which was fun. Um, I've done plastering. I've nice. put pipes in a bathroom and things like that. It's, it's good to learn some kind of trade. Helpful. Yeah. Anyway, but she, was, she really was, uh, got some great clients and did some amazing work. And so I grew up around that. That's why I can tell when I see what you guys do. I'm like, okay, these guys are into it. I mean, Lydia's choice of wallpaper is fantastic. She is a wallpaper I mean, she's fabulous goddess. Like no. she just finds these this wallpaper that's in the it's podcast great. room. We have in our in a small little coat closet in our it's house, great. and she found it. She's I, great. She was like, I got extra if you want no, it. But everything, yeah. the furniture, the, everything. It's so fun. Nice. Well, thank you. Well, I I hope. Uh, I hope to see you again yes, soon. Me too. Just the nicest guy. Oh, thank you. And 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 it, especially like at those events that we go to, thank you, like yes. I I always, I, like I immediately. I don't know if anyone feels comfortable with those things. <laughs> you know, it's like if anyone feels comfortable, right, they're right, probably a sociopath. Right, right. Um, but it's like I always like to. It's like oh, they're nice. I'm gonna go, and I I just I, I they're like a handful of people that I see that are just like little ports right. in a, in this storm of all this weirdness that's going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you you are you pretty used to that stuff? No, by now? we don't go out much at all. We yeah. live in Malibu, so we're very don't you know we only do them when when it's necessary, right? So we're not actually just as awkward as you imagine yeah. at these things because we don't do them a lot. Yeah. And you're seeing people that sometimes you only see at these events. Right. So you don't know what to... No, but it's nice to see old friends and stuff. Yeah. And um, But, you know, um, I'd rather be with my kids. Of course. You know. Of course. My wife. But, and if they're not with me, it's always weird. But luckily, I, you know, I bring my wife. And she gets to come to most of them. But... Um, yeah, it's always, it's always very. I, I, it's, it's a whole. Basically, a whole it's a whole other type of dress up and play pretend. <laughs> yeah, true. I am a confident person. Right. 
and uh, I totally belong here, right, right, and I feel right. totally comfortable here right now. Like right. that's the that's as, the I, big as I posted, trying to look suave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Could you just, in in uh, as Michael Caney a voice as possible, just <laughs> end this with a Master Wayne or some okay. kind of like? Um, yeah. Be like a duck, <laughs> calm on the surface, but always paddling like the Dickens underneath. Is that in the acting thing? Yeah. <laughs> Save your money. You're going to need twice as much money in your old age as you think. <laughs> this, you don't have to read this whole thing because it's long, but it does have the Master Wayne in it. With respect, Master Wayne, perhaps this is a man that you don't fully understand either. A long time ago, I was in Burma. My friends were and I were working for the local government. And we were trying to buy the loyalty of tribal leaders by bribing them with precious stones. But the caravans were being raided in a forest north of Rangoon by a bandit. So we went looking for the stones. But in six months, we never met anybody who traded with him. One day, I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. The bandit had been throwing them away. Superb! Superb! And also, you also get extra points for, like, excellent cold reading as Michael Caine, as Alfred. There's no better way to end this. I, I, I feel you, like I should just quit the podcast now. It's, I don't know if it's ever going to get better than that, but I really appreciate that you did that. My pleasure. Thank you, Carrie. Good Thank to you. see you. The end. What a joy. Thank you. Would you mind? Oh, so sorry. Yeah, yeah, sure. Would you mind signing our our guest book? Of course. But of course. But of course. Did you ever see the man who would be king? Oh yeah, of course. Right. I, I picked his brain about that. He goes. He goes. Yeah, you know, it was so funny. The first day on the set, I said to John Houston, I said, "How was that take? Was that good?" And you know what he said to me? I said, "No, Michael. What did he say?" He said. He said, you are being paid a lot more money than me, so you should know what the bloody hell you're doing. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's not what I was expecting. <laughs> all right, I'll just... Uh, all right. There you go. ID Tenty scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.